Woohoo! We are here, episode 39. We've made it. Welcome to the We All Serve podcast. Back here with this handsome devil, Angel Torres. Angel, what's up? What's up, Shalom? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. It's, you know, How end of there March. Texas? Um, everything's bigger. Yeah? Yeah. Is that what they say? Have you That's had really they... good steak down there since you've been down there? I don't eat. I don't eat meat. Oh, you did tell me that. You did tell me. Okay, how's the non-meat alternatives? How are they? Are they, are they in season? Is the soy in season? <laughs> the, the soy is in season. The grass is in season. We're, get, we're getting getting plenty of that. It's good. It's good. Hey man, it's when good. is Passover? That's like coming up, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Passover started Saturday night. Um, I actually led uh, two satyrs um, out here, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, we're we're into Passover. Passover is week long, so plenty more I saw time. A meme today. It was um, it was a, the uh, Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> it said meets Passover and the shit was flat. <laughs> that is funny. Like, that's good stuff. Great. Had like holes in it and everything. Damn, that's totally good. unleavened bread. I loved it. That's actually really good. That's good. No, it's every, everything's good. Everything's good. I can't believe we're already, you know, in basically April and, and it's it's gray. We're at episode 39. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this as we always do in the beginning of the show. If you are uh, just watching on YouTube, make sure you're getting on your favorite podcast app and telling a buddy about it. Rate, review, and share because this week we've got an awesome show in store and next week we have another and I believe a mutual friend of both of uh, you and I, but also with our guest here today. Uh, that Christian? Got, no, next week we have Jim Vasilopoulos. Oh, Jimmy V. Jimmy oh, V. He's a man. I tell you what, that guy is Buddha. And he just, he, he, he's the smartest, he's always the smartest guy in the room. And he never, and he never comes across like the smartest guy in the room. And I was thinking about doing my doctorate. And he's like, Angel, oh, you don't need to do a doctorate. He goes, you don't need to be brilliant doctor somebody. You just need to be a little, about, Three quarters of a second smarter than the guy you're talking to. <laughs> it's good advice. It's good advice. He's so legit, man. I love yeah. Jim. And he does a lot for veterans. He does a lot. Uh, amazing, amazing guy. So I'm, I'm excited for that. So that's next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, make sure you are liking, rating, reviewing, sharing, doing all of that good stuff because episode 40 will be here before you know it. And then, like you said, episode 50. I was thinking about what you said last week. Episode 50 is going to be a uh it's gonna be fun we're gonna do the best of the best of the best one-liners the best um get you know like oh my god moments the best you know uh teeing off on somebody (laughs) it'll be good it'll be good it'll be good yeah i'm excited for it so i i almost don't want to keep talking over here because i am looking at the bottom of my screen where i see our our guest today is holding and i know what an awesome awesome guy he is and i know how much he has to share and uh and so angel let's just bring in this let's roll, uh, with, it. Let's bring, let's bring in roll with it we've got eric lazar who's a united states marine corps veteran a uh Cranshaw, as well as a highly accomplished professional with 30 years of combined experience in entrepreneurship, sales, leadership, marketing, strategy, product, project execution. Uh, and he's lived in Chicago since 1999, hailing from New York. I won't hold that against him. Uh, at the age of 17, he enlisted in the Marine Corps, where he was accepted into the DLI in Monterey, California, and trained as an Arabic Defense translator. Defense Language Institute. Run by the United States Army, just saying. 
he then went on to uh, to school in Virginia, where he became an Intel analyst. He spent the majority of his time enlisted as an Intel specialist capacity with both the Combat Engineer Battalion and Electronic Warfare Squadron, gaining an expertise in Southeast Asian affairs. And he was honorably emphasize that honorably discharged at the rank of sergeant in 1994. Is quite the background, quite the passion for helping veterans, and is quite the uh, the business guru. Without further ado, Eric, welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Eric knows our boy Jimmy. With that, with that kind of introduction, I, I'm, I'm, I, there's no doubt I'm going to disappoint. <laughs> oh, come on. No, my, my only question is why the heck did he join the Marine Corps? But no, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> You've got brains on your head, my friend. Intel and Marine Corps, do those two things go in the same sentence? No, they're, they're not synonymous. So, uh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I think I was an outlier. Yeah. But it was, um, I don't know. I guess as you guys were talking about earlier, you just need to be a modicum smarter than uh, the guy next to you, and uh, you look like a genius. Oh, yeah. And look, we're already getting comments over here. Look at John over here. He says, Eric's <laughs> awesome. Jim me at all. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm going to jump in because this is so I'm so geeked about having Eric on I'm, I'm it was funny because I was like, hey, Eric, I think we want to have you on the show. He's like, yeah, man, I already talked to Shalom. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I was like, you're my guy. God damn it, you're my guy, right? And, and, and one of the things that sticks out when I think about Eric and, and, and one of the most just legit guys, I mean, <laughs> is when I first met him, we met through, I think it was Glenn Hampton introduced us and we're doing something at cybersecurity something at the university club and then we met at the marine corps like a marine corps scholarship event mm -hmm. and uh and i think we we remembered each other and the first thing we're talking about business and him running his company he's like i've been getting my ass kicked man and let me tell you about this how hard this is i just paid myself for the first time in three years man this is not and he didn't he doesn't mask anything he doesn't make things look like they're 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 roses coming out of starships and everything he's like this is how it is but at the same time if you ever needed if i ever needed anything or hinted that i needed anything eric's like yeah what do you need man i'm there and i just I, that's one thing that always sticks out in my head is it, it, if i feel lucky to have you as my friend not because you give me free shit but <laughs> but because you know we we go out to uh whether we go out for scotch with carter davis and scott hardesty and we just sit down and Eric's like, and is how it is. And it's always, always no bullshit. And I love that about you. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm, uh, you know, I think you spent a lot of years trying to mass the stuff and being the consummate salesperson. And I think over, you know, over the last couple of years, particularly with the business, I learned that authenticity counts. Um, and so, you know, you listen, you want to put on the best face, but I think people also appreciate the honesty that not everything is great. Um, you know, you just you, you got to be true to who yourself is. And they sort of got tired of leading a, you know, a dual life or having dual personalities. Yeah. Having that face. I mean, yeah. the one thing, the, other, the second thing I think about is I think I'm a pretty big shoe snob and Eric might have me beat. <laughs> well, that was back when I was earning a salary. Now <laughs> I'm on my own. <laughs> I'm Before just you start Pippa signs on the corner. Signs of hope. Signs Good. of hope. Send shoes. <laughs> but, yeah. Baby needs new shoes. That's for sure. That's awesome. So I like to, uh, Eric, start in the very, very beginning, and then we can work our way to where you're at right now because you are an entrepreneur and we want to highlight everything that you are doing in the business world, but also what you're doing right now in continuing, yeah. as we always say, continuing to serve. So, um, you know, all kidding aside, you, you enlist in the Marine Corps. 
Why? Why did you enlist in the Marine Corps? And uh, what, you walked into an office at the age of 17. What did your parents have to say? What sort of environment did you grow up in? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in New York. Um, I'm the son of two Northeastern liberal Jewish educators. My dad was a high school principal. My mom was a high school teacher. Uh, my dad did a lot of marching in the 60s. Um, I was, yeah, I don't know if it was rebellious, even at a very young age, um, but I had a very different mindset from them is they thought, quite honestly, is they thought they brought a fascist into the world. They thought I made Hitler look like a liberal. Um, I remember oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, I, I, the, the director of the social studies department had actually called my parents and wanted to have a discussion because my, my views were so far right wing. Um, and, you know, that, and, and so part Mr. of this, I want to talk to you about your son. Did he yeah. punch someone in the mouth? Did he get someone pregnant? No, no. Let me tell you about his socialist views or his, his right wing views. Very, very, yeah. Very, very right wing views. And you know, that, and I had, you know, I remember there was a social studies teacher who was very influential in my life, who was a um, also a World War II Marine veteran, uh, worked for the CIA. And so there were a couple of things that were sort of forming this personality and my desire to go into the military. And I always thought, saw myself um, going into the CIA or the DIA or the NSA. And I really wanted to be a spook. I wanted to work in intelligence, probably from it always fascinated me, you know, probably from the time that I was 10. Um, but it really began to crystallize in my early teen years. Um, and, you know, so my parents' reaction when I started going down this path, um, I, I wouldn't say repulsed, um, but it wasn't something that, you know, it wasn't part of the, the culture or the dynamic that I had grown up with or, you know, that, that it was just, you know, that wasn't part of it. So, but they had they had brought us up in a way my, my sister and I that there were three rules to live by was don't drink and drive don't lie and don't defame the family name so there wasn't a lot of structure and we lived by the consequences of our actions at a very young age and so there wasn't there also wasn't a lot of direction and as a teenager I was very much the the consummate C student I did whatever I had to do to get by um, because of that lack of structure, there wasn't a lot of discipline. And probably around the age of 15 or 16, I realized that I didn't have the I, the, the core um, of just, you know, of who I was as a person to, and and the structure and the discipline to make you it in life. That? What's that? You felt like you craved that? I needed it, but I, but I knew I would be a dismal failure in life if I didn't get it. So... Part of it was a fascination with the military. Part of it was may have been, you know, rebelling against my parents. Um, part of it was that I, I saw myself uh, having a career as a spook um, and, you know, the discipline. So there were there were a lot of different things that played into it. And but I, I think primarily was I recognized that I did not have the discipline to make it in life. And so I craved something. And, you know, as I as a evaluated the services, the Marine Corps really appealed to me because that had always had the reputation of being the toughest. And I knew if I could survive that, um, I might have the, the skill set and the wherewithal um, and the core character traits to, to make something of my life at some point. I don't know what the Jewish equivalent is. Like, did your parents have to try, try and have an exorcism? 
Did they try and do that and excise the Marine Corps <laughs> spirit demons from you? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I just have this vision of what your parents were like. Holy shit! They were. <laughs> I mean, they were really, they were really horrified. It was, yeah. it was very, it was very difficult for them. But they had brought us up in a way that we had to live by the consequences of our decisions, and so they allowed me to make that decision at seventeen. I mean, they had a sign for me at that point. Um, but they, you know, it certainly wasn't their desire, wasn't their druthers. I grew up in a uh, in a town that was a, you know, it was an upper middle class uh, town on Long Island. Uh, everybody went to college. No, that was it was not aspirational to go into the service. You certainly didn't enlist. If you know, if you went into the service, you were going to college through an art ROTC program, or you were going to the academy. Um, there were very, very few people that enlisted. And so it just, it just it just wasn't part of our environment. But um, I don't know. I broke the mold. So my last question was, why did you get in? Um, my next question is, why did you get out? What did I get out of it? Why, why did you get out? Why um, You only spent a couple of years. What, yeah, what, what caused you to move on? Yeah. You know, I did, um, I did five years active duty. Uh, then I went to college. What I, what I realized is being enlisted was not for me. Um, you know, while you have a no fraternization policy between enlisted and officer, uh, I, I think the the position that I was in working in intelligence, particularly as I, you know, the the last three years I worked in, a, you know, on, in the air wing and a squadron, uh, I had a lot more access to officers and they treated me very differently than they did a lot of the other enlisted Um you know, just simply by working intelligence. So I built a lot of good relationships there that would would probably border on fraternization. And so they, they allowed me into their world. And that was, I always thought I wanted to be an officer, but that gave me a lot of clarity that the enlisted ranks were not for me. I, I wasn't going to thrive there. Um, so I went out and, you know, I, at, at sort of the end of my enlistment, I was uh, applying for an appointment at the Naval Academy. Um, and I did not have the grades to get a direct appointment and I couldn't get into NAPS because of my age. I just, by the time you, you needed to be, I, I think it's under like 21, 21, 22 or something. Yeah. And so yeah. I was going to be, I was going to pass at age. So, uh, going to the Academy wasn't an option. So I got out, um, went to college. I went back in actually, after I finished college, um, I had a couple of months left on my overall eight year contract and started looking at officer programs there. But, you know, after three years of broken time, because it was in active reserves, it was, it was very hard for me to acclimate again um, and decided to bail. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a great experience. And I think had I, you know, sort of continued without the broken time, that would have been good. Um, and then I just, I had an experience. I, you know, I worked in intelligence. At one point I worked undercover. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was a little disillusioning in terms of, uh, you know, my level of expendability. And so there were, there were probably a few things that played into it that said, yeah, you know, I think maybe it's time to move on and go into the private sector. Wow. One thing that, that, that always puzzles me about your story, um, by the way, did your parents ever come around with the whole being a Marine thing or did they just, they just kind of roll and say, He's he's far gone. It's it's a phase. He, it's a phase. He'll work it out. He'll work figure it out. No, you know they were very proud of me. Good, um, good. That 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 was never that was never that was never a problem. Um, yeah. They they were very proud of what I accomplished. Um, that I that I was able to accomplish it. That I was able to get through. Um, 
you know, I, I'm, if you, you know, you look at me, I'm not a big guy. Um, boot camp was definitely a struggle for me, uh, where it's a three month program. I wound up spending seven months there, uh, got recycled twice. So, um, cause you loved it just so much. I loved it so much. <laughs> I wasn't physically fit when I got there. Um, and, um, you know, I broke my legs. I got uh, chicken pox. So it was, it was, it was a hell of a struggle. It was, it was, a, it was a seven month ordeal for me. Um, so Paris I, Island or San Diego? I was in Paris Island. Ooh. Yeah. That's a long place to spend seven months. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So during your time, um, after you got through those seven months and once you actually started being able to do your job, so tell us, uh, you know, sort of best friend, amazing mentor, somebody that you can point to, um, from your experience and maybe just experiences in general. I mean, what, what do you take? What, this is what you thought I asked you earlier. What did you get out of it? Uh, it was a transformative experience for me. I mean, it's really the core of who I am. That's very much, um, I don't know if I really had a soul before. Um, as a, you know, again, and I don't. I, I say it in the way that I don't know if there, there was. I didn't have religion in my life. Um, I didn't have you know whether it was Boy Scouts or religion. I wasn't you know school wasn't necessarily my thing. It is I was I sort of spent most of my life just being there. Um, and like so, a belief system. A belief system. This gave me an identity. Yep, quite honestly, yep, um, and it gave me a soul. It's it's very much who I am today. It's it's almost everything. The Marine Corps becomes almost a reference point for everything in my life. Hmm. Um, even you know, I got out in '94, so you're looking at almost you know what are we, I'm afraid to say it's 30 years almost. Hmm. Um, so you know, I think I think it gave you know it's part of my DNA. Um, you know, as I look at the people that I work with, I, I think early on in my career, um, there aren't a lot of people that I, in, early on in the military, there aren't a lot of people that I would point to that were really tremendous mentors. Um, it was really in the the last part of my career when I was with the Air Wing is, you know, I think of it's to name one would be impossible. I, you know, I could I could probably name seven or eight right off the top of my head that were were so influential and so instrumental. Um in making me a leader um, because, you know, I, I, I pinned on, you know, I was an NCO, I was a corporal pretty quickly um, and I didn't understand, I didn't understand leadership. And so when I pinned it on, I became a little bit power hungry. Um, I was terrible at communicating. I was, I was a prick, you know, quite honestly. Um, and there were a few people along, one in particular that, I, we were about to deploy for the Philippines. And if you've ever been to the Philippines, it's, it's really the wild west. Um, and back then even more so was that pre Pinatubo or post Pinatubo? Pinatubo? Yeah. The volcano that blew up. In, oh, I don't even remember. I, I was there in 1982. Yeah. It was, I was there 80, uh, 88, 89. Okay. Um, yeah. Pre. And, you know, before we went out there because I was, I was, I was such an asshole to a lot of the troops. Uh, this gunnery sergeant took me aside and he said, listen, he's like, these guys fucking hate you. They, they absolutely despise you. And I'm going to warn you that if you go off base, anything can happen to you. These, you're, you're probably going to get your ass kicked. Um, so you've got a couple of weeks to sort of straighten it out 
and make things right. And so you're safe because I can't guarantee your safety. And that was a hell of a wake up call. That, that, that was, that was, that was really a hell of a wake up. He did you a favor. What's that? He did you a serious, he did, a, solid. He did me a serious favor. I mean, and he was, he, he just, a, he, a tre- just a tremendous guy, just a, a really, really gentle giant um, that had great relationships below to, you know, and, and above. Uh, he understood people. And he was probably one of the few people that could have that conversation with me in a way that I would understand and, you know, take it to heart um, without it being a sort of that, that sort of a threatening bullying kind of thing. They direct, it wasn't directive. It was more coaching kind of, it it was coaching. It it was, it was, it was very much a a fatherly kind of approach to it. Um, And that was, that was a life changer. And, you know, it happened to me one more time in the private sector. Um, actually a very similar conversation happened to that. So it's, you know, I, I've repeated some of my mistakes, but it's, but there, there was a very poignant moment. And so, you know, I, what did I get out of it? I mean, it, it, it really, it changed my life. It changed who I am. It changed, you know, how I relate to people, the, the expectations that I have for leaders, leaders, the expectations that I have for my team. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. So when you, when you got out, um, and you decided to make that transition, um, what was, what was that like? What was the process of, you know, starting the journey after being in the Marine Corps? And it sounds like an, again, an amazing, amazing experience, but it's pretty much a culture shock, wasn't it? It was a huge struggle. Um, I got out, I, you know, after college, I went back in for a couple months. Then I moved down to, to Washington, D.C. I had a few friends down, down there, um, thought I would pursue a job in government, looked at some of the consulting firms. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't attractive to any of these big consulting firms, um, you know, with a, you know, coming out as a sergeant, having a bachelor's in political science didn't put me at the top of the recruiting heap. Um, and that was a little disillusioning. Uh, and I struggled is I, I certainly sent out a hell of a lot of resumes. I actually was, was, you know, writing and rewriting my resume and cover letters and that kind of stuff that I got really good at. And then I guess there's an old adage is those who can, you know, those who can do those who can't teach. Um, and what I decided to do is actually start a resume, uh, a resume writing service, um, because I got so good at writing resumes. So I did that for about three years. Um, but I was, you know, working insane amount of hours. The, the certainly the, the power of technology wasn't there at the time, um, and you know, probably putting in 18, 20 hours a day, seven days a week, wow. and not making any money because it's a, it was a very manual process of of writing resumes. And so I did that for you know two and a half, three years, and I took a job in retail to help augment, um, you know, salary, bringing some money. Uh, and I wound up applying to a job for uh, in television, and I and I broke into a career in in television sales. But the uh, that transition was awful. It was, uh, you know, I, I think of sort of the the ebbs and flows of my life, or the the peaks and valleys. And I would say that was definitely one of the the valleys where I was severely severely depressed. Um, you know, feeling as if I, you know. Here I am. I, you know, I, I've, I've had this experience. I, I've given an awful lot, and I just needed a break. Um, somebody to sort of take me in and, and have faith that I could deliver in a career field that I wanted to go into, and I just couldn't find it. 
Um, and it took me a few years. And so, you know, finally when I did, it was great. Uh, but those couple of years were, were, were particularly difficult. I can't, that makes so much sense to me. It resonates so much with my own personal, uh, transition story. And you know, my story better than anybody. And my, me becoming an entrepreneur, entrepreneur was largely driven by the need to not fitting someone else's mold, but needing to feed myself and take care of and, and do something to generate revenue and, and, and livelihood and, and got to do something. Right. So you finish up school and then, you know, all along comes Brandon Marty and he creates this opportunity and says, Hey man, maybe you want to try this. So I go in like you did with the resume writing. I was like, okay, well, I can do this pretty well. Let me go ahead and do this. And it creates this, this business model out of necessity to, to do some, you got to do something. Right. And then even if it's not what I want to do, God damn it. I got to do something right now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. You're filled with self doubt. Am I never, am I never going to be good enough for anybody? Am I worthless? Am I, you know, all these horrible things you start populating your head with, which are none of them are true. And, and if you're not around the right people, it's not really helping you heal and helping you with your transition. So I think part of the therapy is helping other people. When you talk about doing resume writing, you're like, hey, at least I'm helping somebody and they're going to, you know, I have some value because I'm able to help these people with, with what they're trying to do. No, so you got so good at writing resumes, you started a resume writing service, then you got so good at printing those those resumes, so you started a printing business. Is that right? Well, no, there was a, there was a long time in between. Um, <laughs> thing is, you know, I broke into television, um, started working at a local cable station down in D.C. in sales, and, you know, I, I found something that I was good at, and I had a, a, a very good career. I had a 13-year career in television. Uh, worked at two TV stations down in uh, down in DC. Uh, moved up to New York. Worked in TV there, and then in '99, I was hired by uh, by a client TV station here in Chicago uh, that brought me out as their national sales manager and uh, had a nice long run there. And then uh, went to another to a, a big uh, TV station group where I managed uh, sales for a number of stations. Um, and then it, you know, I sort of had that entrepreneurial bug again. Um, and I started a mobile technology business, um, which, you know, sort of back to the resume writing, like working a ton of hours and not very successful, um, you sort of went through all of my, all of my cash. And then I got absorbed by another small mobile technology firm. Um, and then together we were able to build that company and we got bought and the company that bought us got bought. Um, and so there was, you know, several years, it was seven or eight years. Um, and that was very successful. Um, and then the, the final purchase was a private equity firm, uh, which left me out on the street. And uh, then I had to figure it out again. And that's, that's how I came to the printing company is just, you know, didn't, you know, there, there's just so many, you know, it's a lot harder with career choices when you're in your late forties, you know, so this goes back. Amen. To ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I had that entrepreneurial bug and I, I didn't want to be, didn't want to be reliant or dependent on a company for, for my livelihood. And, yeah. you know, I needed to figure out a way to survive and I wanted to be, I wanted to be relying on myself. Semper Gumby. Yeah. No, isn't that the truth? Yeah. No. So, I mean, so, so now um, I just want to sort of lead into that. Um, you, it's funny, Eric, you and I have known each other now for probably about a decade or so. Um, and I remember when you and I were first connected through the business scene in Chicago. And it's interesting. I 
I didn't know you were a veteran. Um, and I only, as you know, I only joined the army a couple of years ago as a reservist. And so it's interesting. I sort of got to know some of the things that you're involved in and some of the, some of your story, parts of the story that I didn't know only over the past, over, only over the past little while. So I, what meaning this I, podcast well that's true <laughs> definitely definitely no but eric and i had eric has already been responsible for sending people our way for the podcast already for a little I'm while sure. um but well somebody's eric, got a job <laughs> that's true you know I mean? so eric you're involved in a lot of stuff you're involved in a lot of stuff and as we always say you continue to serve we all serve and you certainly you, you show that each and every day. So tell us about some of the things you're involved in and how you have continued to serve long past getting out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, the yeah science, you know, talk about the Signs of Hope stuff. I love that story. Oh, oh, it's not scripted, but make sure you talk about this. No. No. <laughs> um, I'm just curious. You know, I've always, tried to be, I've always <laughs> tried to be involved in veteran organizations. I mean, whether, you know, I, you know, I've sat on some planning committees like for the Travis Mannion Foundation, um, you know, I, I currently hold a, uh, you know, I'm on the board of the Volunteers uh, Volunteers of America for Illinois. Um, I, Marine for Life program was was uh, certainly a big part of my life for a while, serving as a mentor there. Um, you know, I, I help out wherever I can. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's for some reason, sort of wayward people find their way to me. Um, you know, maybe they're, 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 you know, I, for whatever reason I tracked and, you know, so, and I think I, I, I think I do have a reputation for being very willing to help out. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily organizations, but I, I, I make myself visible and make myself available. Um, you know, owning a printing company or prior to this in mobile or prior to that in television, you know, I wasn't curing cancer or I wasn't performing brain surgery. I wasn't saving lives. Um, but I do have some experiences that people can draw from uh, that I'm always happy to share and happy to give direction and happy to give advice. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's in very, very simple ways. There's nothing about it that you know, I'm, I'm changing the world with, but, you know, in a, in a small little micro microcosm or one little person, um, you know, I, I try to make things better. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, you know, certainly over, you know, the, the last year, um, you know, with COVID is I've, I've probably extricated myself a little bit from that is I, I've, I've not been as, I've not been as involved um, I've not been as extroverted, uh, just, you know, part of it has just been survival, uh, to, to get the business through this and, and sort of focus and, you know, maybe being a little bit selfish in terms of, you know, my own, my own well-being. Um, so it's, it's been a struggle and I, you know, I, it's, it's challenged me because I don't, you know, part of, of helping other people sort of, it, you know, not sort of, it, it fulfilled me. And so there's, there's a little bit of emptiness with that also. So, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't want you to blow out of proportion, you know, blow out of proportion what I'm doing or what I'm achieving. It's, you know, I, I think I was much more involved at a certain point with certain things um, and sort of just reorienting myself now that I can be, um, as, as we begin to emerge from this, that I'll, I'll, you know, be able to sort of go back into to some of those roles and, uh, you know, and help serve, you know, help serve people. But, you know, I, th I think a lot of it is, you know, what we can do through the business is with the with veteran organizations, uh, non for profits, um, is to donate our services. 
um, that, that right now that's that's been the easiest, which is you know not something that I'm proud to say that it's easy and that's why we do it. Um, but it, it's really all that we, you know, sort of all that I've been managed, you know, been able to manage to do. Um, and so we, we, we try to do that. And so there, there are lots of organizations that, that come our way, uh, veteran oriented that we're, you know, we're very happy to, to donate and, and try to support in whatever way we can. Um, but you were asking about the hope and thanks, Angel. Um, signs, signs of hope. The sign, yeah, the signs of hope. It was our signs of hope and thanks campaign. Okay. Um, that, that started off, it was very organic. It was really cool. The way we took root is I have a business partner, Rebecca. Um, you know, at the end of February, last February, 2020 is, uh, you know, 50% of our business is really reliant on the, uh, the trade show, the convention business, uh, that all evaporated at the end of February and, and March, it just, you know, it, it did all but disappear. Um, we had nothing going on. I mean, we literally the, the, the printers came to a halt. We, we couldn't find anything to do. And my business partner, Rebecca, you know, told the, the, the production guys, you know, make me a couple of signs that say hope. And she and her two little girls went to a couple of locations. They planted these signs, took a couple of pictures and she put them on Facebook. And all of a sudden she had like 200 likes in, in no time oh, at all. Boom. Yeah, it, it just exploded. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is, this is something interesting. And so we took that and like, you know, let's do this on a grander scale. And we told the guys to make a couple of hundred hope signs and a couple of hundred thanks signs or, you know, open thanks combined. And I took them and I just planted them randomly throughout Chicago. The hope signs were sort of all over the place. And the thanks, thanks signs, we put them in front of I uh, went to Rush, we went to Northwestern Memorial, we went to the fire stations, police stations and put them out there. And it it caught fire on social media. And, you know, we had a little hashtag, very, very, you know, uh, subtle hashtag on it. A couple of people picked up on it. And um, then the news picked up on it. The media picked up on it and started asking us about this because it, we weren't, nobody was paying us for this. We just thought it would be something that would be really cool to raise spirits in Chicago as things looked so abysmal. Um, and then we, we got calls from all, you know, from most of the major media outlets here in Chicago uh, asking about this campaign or asking what, you know, what this was all about. And we didn't have a plan for it. We had no idea we were, that was, was all <laughs> like, okay, you know, let's put it out there and we'll make a couple of people smile as they're going for a walk yeah. with the dog. They, they cross a hope sign and, you know, so be it. And, um, you know, just so, and a way of expend, expressing our thanks to first responders. And, um, you know, when we started getting calls, like, well, what the hell do we do with this? And we also, at the same time, social media, people were asking, can I buy one? And we had a real moral or ethical issue with, with selling these signs for something that was going to be purely beneficial to us. Um, as much as we needed the money, because our business had, had for you know, all intents and purposes, it shut down. Um, it was rooted in in do good. It was like, rooted in do good. How do I feel about making money off a of do good feel? It, it, it uh, wasn't right. It didn't. It, the, yeah. That 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 it didn't. There there was something just intrinsically wrong with that. Yeah. Um, so you know, within you know a matter of hours, like uh, you know, TV stations want to interview us. What the what the hell are we going to say? Um, like, all right, let's, let's figure out a way that we're going to donate a portion of the proceeds, um, to a, to a non-for-profit. And we selected the Red Cross because it just seemed the, eh, sort of the, the, the broadest swath, um, and something that everybody recognized. 
we got a um, we got an e-commerce site up in the matter of a day, and um, then we just said, you know, yeah, we're we're doing these signs, we're selling these signs, and twenty five percent of the the proceeds are going to the American Red Cross, and that's how it it, it you know that's how it came to be, and uh, you know we had uh, we were interviewed four times on television, once with WGN Radio. Um, it was picked up on a, a you know a national basis by Sinclair Broadcasting, um, so it, it was cool. It was, it was great, and that you know we just reading some of the comments in social media and how it impacted people. That just you know seeing a little hope sign and uh, you know, and then it sort of expanded and just sort of spread kindness and you know a little bit more whimsical. Um, but it was great. It was, it, it was just we we put smiles on people's faces. Um, Maybe we did give them a sense of hope. Uh, you know, again, it, it wasn't anything that was momentous, but it gave us it gave us a sense of purpose at a very dark time. You know, that's the one thing about you, Eric. You know, whenever you interact, and you you know, you're kind of hard on yourself. Like we're not doing a lot, we're not doing a lot. But the thing, the real reality is, the things that you do, um, as subtle as as organic or as off you know, happen chances they might be are impactful. I mean, you don't know what someone's doing walking across the street and you seeing your sign of hope and it, it changes their whole day, their whole outlook. I mean, it's it's a big deal. And that's something you, you kind of, that's part of your brand and part of something that we all know and love about you. I appreciate that. So I don't have anything else. Likewise, likewise, no. I, I, I'd say that you are you are truly the example of, of you know why we do what we do, and and you've got an inspirational story, um, and you continue to serve. So we're grateful for uh, to know you, and uh, grateful for all that you do. So, um, Eric, if people want to find you, I know you're all over on LinkedIn. Any yep. other methods? Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, those are the, probably the two places that I'm hanging out the most. Uh, real easy to find me, and then uh, you know, go to you know, you can go to our website, which is uh, speedprochicagoloop.com, or uh, just hit me up on email, which is eric eric dot lazar l a z a r at speedpro.com, and uh, you know, I'm always happy to answer. All right, well, thank you, and uh, so, uh, Angel, you wanna you wanna give a shout out to next week's guest one more time? Yeah, Jim, we're gonna have Jimmy V, <laughs> Jim Vasilopoulos. Um, on the show, and uh, I'm excited. He's one of Forbes uh, 40 uh, coaches, executive coaches. He's always published in Forbes, um, and he's he. Although he's never worn the uniform or the nation's cloth, I think uh, you would be hard to f- press to find anyone that has given and done so much for for everyone that he just encounters in his eco in his uh, ecosystem. Uh, he's a very passionate veteran advocate, and um, he walks a talk like no one I've ever met. You know, I'm going to give him a quick endorsement also, uh, unsolicited, is he actually changed our business for us. Uh, you told me about in, that. You did tell yeah, me Yeah, he came in and did some consulting for us uh, maybe four years ago, and uh, it really it, it, it changed the lens on how we looked at the business and approached it, and we, we saw a, a dramatic change. Um, as a result of the the few hours that he spent with us, and he he is really one of the most generous, gracious uh, people that that I've ever had the the pleasure to work with. He's just uh, just a, he's a fabulous human being. So I, I think it's going to be a great call, and uh, you know I can't say enough positive things about him. My my business partner has a, a serious crush on him, 
Just yeah. I have a crush on Jim. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> man, Thank oh man. You, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good conversation. Looking forward to it. Make sure you are rating, reviewing, sharing, and subscribing to the We All Serve Podcast episode 40 next week. We'll be back, so you don't want to miss it. Eric Lazar, thank you so much for all that you continue to do. And uh, Angel, I will see you uh, on the next episode of We All Serve. Take care, guys. Thank you for the opportunity.